With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. It's the Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, joining you here. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Nathan Marzian, Bucks superfan. He is back and ready to go. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Uh, and I don't know how many of you saw Nathan out and about uh, over the weekend for the NCAA tournament, uh, celebrating a big Marquette victory, and then uh, they stumble and fell against Michigan State. And we're going to talk a little bit Marquette-Wisconsin rivalry uh, towards the end of the podcast. So you want to stay tuned for that. We're not going to not talk about Marquette or Wisconsin. So we'll get to that uh, coming up in just a little bit. But first, I want to start off talking about Giannis and whether or not really he should be getting more uh, MVP love uh, for MVP uh, than he's getting at this point. Because I'm starting to hear the narrative a little bit more now on Sports Talk Radio, uh, syndicated Sports Talk Radio, right? ESPN, CBS Sports Radio, Fox Sports, whatever the case may be, NBA Radio. Uh, a couple guys now are starting to bring up the fact of why is Giannis from an odd standpoint third in all of this? Like, why is he so far behind kind of the other two guys when it comes to Joker and Embiid, considering he's on the best team uh, in the NBA, considering the fact that he's played without his right hand and Chris Middleton half the season uh, and still had him in that position uh, when Middleton came back, uh, considering that he himself uh, has been a little dinged up as has Drew Holiday and, They've had injury issues kind of throughout the year that they've had to play through. And still yet, uh, he's putting up MVP-type numbers, I would say. Uh, And like we talked about before, he's got the best team in the NBA. So Nathan Marzian, president of the Giannis Fan Club, I will turn to you. Should Giannis be getting more MVP love uh, than he's getting right now? Uh, And I saw you tweeting out some numbers uh, earlier today about such a thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I just keep coming back to the fact that, like, if we didn't overthink this, it would be such an obvious choice because Giannis checks pretty much every box that you normally get from the MVP. Usually there's only like two of these boxes checked or one of these boxes. Like it's usually either the player with, you know, by far the best season or like the, the that has the best season. It's the player that is the consensus best player in the world, or it's the player that's on the team that gets the number one seed. Um, you know, or the number one record in the in the whole league. Um, and it's like, or it's guy that does it on both ends or whatever. Like he gets all of those basically. I mean, you could argue guys are having like you could argue maybe Embiid's having a better season, maybe, but like I don't know, when you take into account both sides, not that Embiid's a bad defender, but like Giannis is better and Giannis is putting up the you know, he's averaging the most points per minute in the NBA. He's top five in rebounding defensively he has the lowest field goal percentage against so he's arguably the best defender he's the like he was voted by gms as like the player they would start their team with if they could right. start a team today and his team is two and a half games ahead of everyone else what like okay if i mean what are we really doing here if he's not you know it let alone to be like having third like if he's not first what are we really doing because it's like Everyone kind of agrees, okay, he's probably the best player. He's on the best team. He's having a, a fantastic year on both ends. Again, you can find stats where he's number one in, like, points. Like, points per minute. He's literally averaging the most points per minute. He does – what he does in 31 minutes a game is insane. So it's not like he hasn't – he's not like he's had a down year offensively. And then defensively, he's, again, as I said, number one in field goal percentage against. I just – it's if you don't overthink it, it's such an obvious choice. And I, I said, I was like, if you, if you took – 
Embiid and Giannis and flipped them essentially and had Embiid had Giannis' stats, Giannis had Embiid's stats, and Embiid was first in the conference and Giannis was third in the conference. Embiid would be the easy, like everyone would be like Embiid's MVP because, you know, he's having a, like, like Giannis is putting on fantastic stats and he'd be number one in the conference. It'd be like, okay, we're giving it to Embiid. But since Giannis has already won it before, everyone's a little bit tired of giving, you know, tired of Giannis, not, not that, you know, they don't, not that nobody appreciates his greatness, but, you know, I don't think anyone's trying to go out there and give Giannis more MVP awards. But since Embiid's kind of that guy that hasn't won it yet, it's his turn. Jokic already won two in a row. Giannis won the two before that. Even though he's third in the conference, probably going to finish third based on how their schedule looks at the end of the year. It's like we're still trying to just give him the MVP. And, it, it, you know, I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it a little bit. I'm not saying he hasn't had a fantastic year. But, again, when you look at past – like, you cannot find in the last – I mean, any recent memory – a time when the best player in the world at the time was on the team with the best record and didn't win MVP. Like LeBron won four out of five MVPs in his prime when he was the best player in the world and the heat were like the best team in the league. He was winning at those MVPs. And then, you know, for a while you could say, okay, LeBron was the consensus best player from 2014 until like 2018, 2019 ish never won an MVP, but that's because his team never was higher than like third in the standings. His team was always a little bit behind. Like the Cavs were not fantastic in the regular season. And so they'd kind of give it to other guys who had maybe better regular seasons. But this year it's like Giannis is both. Giannis you is could both. look at, you're right. Uh, and you could look at Michael Jordan though. I mean, you could say Jordan should have won MVP for all those years that he won titles and everything else. And that wasn't necessarily happening either. They were giving it out to random dudes uh, along the way. All right. So here's something i don't know if you had a chance to read the athletic piece talking about this very topic about mvp and what what is the criteria that these dudes kind of use individually and there's different writers about sam amick is one of them and this guy will guillory i think it's his name uh, covers the pelicans and he has an mvp vote this year he had mvp votes i believe in 18 and 19 uh, as well so i'm gonna tell you uh that they asked one question and then the person writing this article said as you noted sam the award is known as the most valuable player rather than best player or even player of the year. As voters, you would desist distinction in those terms, should we? I'm going to get to you to Will Guillory uh, from New Orleans. Yes, I don't think the award should automatically go to the best or most talented player in the NBA. I would say Giannis is the best player in the NBA and Kevin Durant is the most talented, but I wouldn't give either one of those guys my MVP vote this season. There are a ton of factors that come into play. That's why watching the entire season matters. It should be about what you've done this season, not what you're capable of doing or what you've done in the past. So, again, based on that, as far as what he is saying, if you're the best player in the league, that does not mean you win the MVP. Okay. But at the same point, if it's going to be most valuable player to that team, Right. So if you take Giannis off the Bucks, how good are you? And we talked about this on Curtin Long, actually, Ryan Horvath and I in the last podcast, because we got sidetracked into the NBA. Uh, and he said, well, if you take MVB and beat off of Philly, what are they, a nine or a 10 seed or something like that or whatever? And Ryan argues that if you took Giannis off the Bucks, they would probably still be around a six seed or somewhere in that area because their roster is better than, than Philly. Now, should that play against Giannis? At the end of the day, because they have a better roster, that 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 now works against Giannis. Because we talked about it. Like, this is a better roster than his championship year for sure. Like, this is a more talented roster than when he had before uh, when he won a championship. So I don't know if that's fair or not as far as to penalize Giannis for that. I always, I always hate that because it's like, I always think they should change the name of the award because I don't, I think it sometimes tricks people into like, oh, we should give it to the guy where if you took them off the team, how much of an impact does it have? No, this isn't about like value to your specific team. It's who's the most valuable, who is the player that if every team had a pick, they would take first, you know, base or most teams would take first. Who would be the consensus number one pick? And I mean, it would be Giannis. And, you know, you can argue, okay, like there's specific guys on specific teams that might be, if, okay, if you took them away, they would fall off a cliff more than if you took Giannis away from the Bucks. That doesn't mean Giannis isn't the most valuable player. Like Giannis is still on any team. If you if you even everything out, and every team was at a certain level without a superstar, but you could add any superstar and they would make that team that much better. Giannis would be number one. Like I just 
you can't penalize guys for having good teammates. The only time I will use that, the only time the teammate stuff really comes into play for me is like Tatum to me took a little bit of a bump this, like, like a, a bump down this year when Jalen Brown started averaging like 28 and you're like, okay, like you have a guy that's dang near averaging as much as you are like, you know, but all these other guys, it's like Giannis and B Jokic, those are clearly the lead guys. I don't like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be debating. Okay. Who, who would, you know, whose team would be worse if you took them off? No, like they're all clearly the lead guys. They're all clearly very valuable. I'm not going to sit there and, and do all that stuff. The only time it comes into play is either, you know, a, a teammate is like, almost outperforming you and you're like, you, you can make the argument. They're not even like the best player on their team right now. Or if, you know, I don't know that like, there's just other scenarios maybe where you would bring that up, but I, I never like doing that. And so I don't know. I, okay. I just, here's another point made by uh Guillory uh, again on this athletic piece. Uh, he says, uh, let's see, where is it here? I will say that in order for a player to win back-to-back MVPs or even three in a row in the case of the Joker, that player has to raise the bar over what they accomplished the previous season. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to win more games or post significantly better numbers, but I can't justify voting a guy to win three years in a row if I think he's basically having the same season he had in previous years. The historical context matters. That's why I take so much pride in being an awards voter, Guillory said. What we do today will impact how people view the league 20 years from now. Being able to capture that historical context should matter in how we vote. Voting a guy to win in consecutive years should send the message to people looking back in history that not only was he incredible, but he kept getting better as he sat above all his peers. And that's what made his run so special. And it's funny because Ken Barkley and I do this uh, bonus green and growing every week, uh, kind of the, like the gambling aspect of the NBA and, and sports and so forth. We've been doing the NCAA tournament last week. We'll probably do some more of it this week, but uh, we had talked about the MVP a couple of weeks ago. And I, I was saying he's with you better, you bet, uh, bet QL radio network, but we were talking about MVP. And I said, dude, I'm struggling with Jokic winning three in a row when the dude's never even been to the finals yet. Like we're going to look back 20 years from now, like that dude said, Guillory and go, I just won three MVPs in a row. His team never even made it to the damn finals. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, really, how good are we? And Ken Barkley's argument to all of that is pretty much advanced stats across the board. Like, if you look at all the advanced numbers and all the advanced stats, he's the MVP. Case closed. Let's move on. It's done. And that's what he's using. And I countered with, if voters had advanced stats back when Jordan played, would he have ever have lost? And he started live. He's like, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how that would have played. I don't know what the advanced stats would have shown for Jordan versus everybody else or whatever the case may be. But it feels like a lot of these guys are using these advanced metrics now to determine who they're going to vote for. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I am, I, as you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, like, I don't, More than me. I, I run, people make fun of the advanced stats and like, all that. I do like that stuff. I do value that stuff. Now, I think it's such a hard thing because you don't know if you should change it or just like, should you change it? And, you know, actually kind of like, cause again, I think, I think most people are like, or not most people, but I think there's, there's people on both sides of like, okay, you know, you shouldn't be able to win three in a row until you do stuff in the playoffs. And there's people on the other side of like, no, if you have the best season, you should still win MVP. Regard, like it's not a playoff award; it's a regular season right. award. And so, it's it's kind of the debate of do you change it? But then the problem is, 
it screws everything up. Cause if you start just giving it out and saying, no, it's strictly regular season. We're not like, there's no voter fatigue, none of that. Well, a guy like Jokic is going to maybe end up with more MVPs than Jordan. And at that point, you kind of almost just have to like devalue like MVPs in terms of legacy and all that. Like, and just say, it's not that important because again, it, you can't, it's hard to like, like, do you kind of just want to, even if it's maybe not the best way to do it right now of like adding in voter fatigue and not giving it to guys because they've won it before. But since that's happened to so many other guys, do you just keep doing that to stay consistent? And like, it's, it's a debate. I, I if you like, if you really wanted to say Jokic is having the best season, I'm not going to argue against that. Like you could, I think there's a clear argument that Jokic has had the best individual season. But since Giannis had to go through the stuff of, and you know, LeBron and Jordan, all these guys have had to go through the stuff of, well, you might still be the best having the best season. We got to give to someone else. You wanted that to happen to Jokic too, because otherwise it doesn't seem fair. Now, in my opinion, I just think they should always have, like they should have an award for best individual season and best player in the world. And you could maybe be both like, you know, if Giannis truly has the best in, in like season by all metrics and people, you know, players, coaches, whatever, vote him best player in the world. Okay. He gets both awards, but like, I, I like to me right now, there should be something that indicates that Giannis is regarded as the best player in the world. If you are talking about, Oh, we want to look back in history and, you know, right. know, have our, have our fingerprint on like what things were like back then. Well, if Giannis wins MVP 2018 and 2019, and then, you know, no MVP 2020, no MVP 2021, no MVP this year. What if he doesn't win it again? Yeah. Then are people like, again, does that make people say, oh, he wasn't, he didn't have this Correct. dominant run. And it's like, yep. no, he did. He didn't win the MVP, but for five years, he was regarded as the best player. And like, that should be recognized. And, you know, again, guys can have, but like, like LeBron James should have a best player in the world title from you know, 2010, basically 2009 until 2018. Like there should be something that signifies that dude dominated the league. Maybe didn't have the best individual season every time, but he was the dude. And like, I don't know. So I, I, I'm never going to be mad at them giving MVP to the guy that was the best, but like, I, there's just, it's, it's gotta, you know, it's hard because there's inconsistencies and do you change it? And again, I, I feel like there needs to be two separate awards because the the best player and the most valuable player doesn't always end up having the, the very best season, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's such yep. a hard thing to talk no doubt. About. All right, let's move on to topic two. Also just a, a reminder for those of you uh, tuning into green and growing, you now can find these episodes on YouTube uh, as well. They're on the Odyssey sports page, A U D A C Y. Uh, you can just uh, go look up green and growing uh, on that's on their page on YouTube. And you'll find them, uh, the video portion of this posts a couple of days after uh, the audio portion posts uh, to the podcast. Of course, Google, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, and the Odyssey app uh, to get green and growing. Okay, how would you grade Chris Middleton since his return from injury? This is a topic because if you follow Buck's Film Room uh, on Twitter, and uh, the dude that runs this account uh, used to be on Bart with uh, Bart Winkler and the Bart Winkler Show on the fan back when uh, we had local programming. Um, and I thought he was pretty good on the radio too, talking about this stuff. And he brought this up uh, yesterday after the Bucks loss. Uh, for those questioning, Siakam was four for eight for ten points with Middleton as a primary defender. Uh, LG was four for five for eight points. Overall, the Raptors scored twenty-five points when Middleton uh, was the primary uh, defender in that game. Now, again, most of those were in the post, um, and I don't know if anybody ever regarded Middleton as a great post defender. Uh, one way or the other, but that's kind of how we came up with this question. How would you grade Chris Middleton since his return from injury, not just defensively, but offensively too, just the, the whole package of like how he's played. So now he's finally had a stretch here where he's been playing somewhat consistently. What say you, Nathan Marzia? I honestly think in terms of like what you could expect, you know, coming off injury and like working his way back, I think he's been about as good as you could expect. I don't think anyone expected him to be some great defender coming back and like, you know, even, even his past couple of years healthy, like you could see, okay, he's starting to get a little bit worse defensively. He's not, you know, he's never been super athletic, never been super quick. Um, and he's always just kind of been like, okay, he can at least not be a, a super big negative out there defensively. Um, but like, he's not some game changing defender. 
And so I, I definitely didn't expect him to be fantastic defensively coming, coming back, but like his offense has really been pretty good. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well from three to start his first, you know, like 10 ish games back, but I think he's 44% the last eight games and, you know, the numbers he's putting up in, you know, as few of minutes as he's playing, I think he, so he leads the league in points per game for guys that average less than 25 minutes a game. Like he's of guys that aren't playing that much. He's scoring the most. It's, you know, he's that's been, a thing you, you can search that and find that stat. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. See, that's why Marzion, man, he's on top of it. You ain't going to get, you ain't going to catch him with not knowing numbers. All right. Very yeah. good. That's good. So Middleton leads the league in something good. All right. Very good. See, we learned something on this podcast. Saying, like, like you can like, there's a stat. I mean, yeah. it just in terms of points, he is the best among guys that you know aren't major minutes guys right now. Like right. for what he's doing in his minutes is very, very impressive. Like people might look at his stats and say, Oh, he's he's only putting up 17 and, and five. Well, and like like, yeah, that's okay, but that's nothing special. He's kind of you know, he's only playing 24 minutes a game. Like that's really, really good in 24 minutes. You know, if, sure. he, played, if he played 32 minutes, 35 minutes as he's going to do in the playoffs. Okay. Those numbers become like 23 and seven, 25 right. and seven. Like th- that's a dang good, dang good game. So I've been really pleased with it. And his, his you know, as I said, his, his uh, three point shot has come back very, very well lately. And it looks like he's getting back into form there. And the two pointer has been, he's been lethal on like the mid ranges and stuff. And even driving to the hoop, he's been pretty good finishing around the rim since he came back. Um, I've been happy with him and I'm, I'm hoping his defense can, you know, step up a little bit in the playoffs. And I, I think it will, we've seen it before in the regular season where he's had, you know, bad games defensively and maybe bad stretches. And I, again, as I said, he's, he's a slower player. He's not athletic. He's not, uh, doesn't have great burst, any of that stuff, but he's always been someone that kind of just gets the job done. And that goes for offense too. Like that's why I never was super worried about him. Not like, not being able to come back from this injury. Cause I'm like, if anyone can play injured, it's Chris Middleton. Like he doesn't need to have like, it, if an injury takes away a little bit of your athleticism, a little bit of your pop. And like, he doesn't need that. He's just a guy that gets to his spots and like drains jumpers. And like, that's kind of how he's always been. So I've been happy with him and I hope, you know, his, his minutes can ramp up a little bit. He started to ramp him up. You know, there's been a couple of games. I think he's played like 30 minutes um, and had some big scoring games. And so ramp up the minutes a little bit in the playoffs defense gets a little bit better in the playoffs and his offense looks pretty good. So I'm, I'm happy with it. The other thing about uh, Chris Middleton is end of game scenarios, right? That's where you're going to want Chris Middleton when you get into the playoffs uh, playing his 30 minutes or whatever it's going to be uh, in the postseason. So for me, it's what will his legs look like when we're in the last closing seconds of a four quarter game and he's already played 30 some minutes. What will his legs look like when we're in overtime in a playoff game? Will he still have the legs to hate that shot once we get to the postseason? Because while I get slow playing this and I'm all for not really wanting to play in back to backs that much and kind of avoiding that and making being as cautious as possible, you do have to kind of kind of start to ramp up stamina here once we get into April with a couple of weeks to go. Uh, going into the playoffs uh, and try and get that stamina up a little bit more than where he's at. I would assume uh, that Coach Budenholzer will do that once we get to April, but I, I think that has to be something you start looking at here. You can't, I don't think, at least maybe I'm wrong, I don't think you can go 24, 25 minutes and then get to the playoffs and go, okay, dude, you're going to play 35 now. Um, and every night we're going to play 35 every other game or every other day or however this matches up in the postseason. That might be asking a lot because we're expecting them to make a run, not to be eliminated in the first round. So he's going to go through several series playing at a high minute limit, and he really hasn't had any stretch to this point of seeing how his body reacts to it and, and getting that endurance level up, Nathan. Well, here we go. Numbers for you. Last I six like games. numbers. Last six games, how many minutes per game do you think he's playing? I think he's averaging more than 24. I would say he's closer to 30, so like 29 maybe, somewhere in that area. 32 minutes a game last six games. That's good. Averaging 20 and seven, 20.7 assists, 47% from three. Like he's, he's, he's back, you know, he's, he's right he's, where he should be then. That That's right where you want him to be is around 32 minutes. Yeah. And again, I, this isn't something that like, I, again, I think, and some of it is they've taken him out in a couple of late games, like late in games and stuff. And I think that has affected people's opinion on it. Like they still think that he's not being ramped up and it's like, no, he is. Um, 
I mean, I'm just going to quickly get these numbers here. Like the first one, two, three, four, five, six games back, he averaged 17 minutes. And then he had a stretch right after that where he was averaging 23 minutes. And then since then, he's at the 32. Like they are ramping him up actually really well. And again, his numbers, like as he's getting ramped up, are improving. Like he's had some big games lately. I mean, and as I said, average, like in 32 minutes a game, which is less than he'll play in the playoffs, he's right now in the last six games averaging 20.7 assists, good shooting, few turnovers. See, that's the thing, though, right? So we talked about this. Was it last week, week before, as far as how many minutes? Somebody asked us on Twitter, how many minutes do you think each player will get in a playoff rotation or whatever? I think I'm okay. If Middleton's playing 32, 33 minutes, I think that's okay with me. I think you have enough guys depth-wise that you can afford to play in 32 or 33 minutes and still be fine at the end of the day, Nick. Yeah, and, and again, this is the beauty of having as deep a team as we do have with this type of situation is if you do like – in the first and second round still want to be like, Hey, let's, let's limit, like, let's not, let's not take him too far over that like 30 low thirties mark. You know, we should win this series. We don't want to push him too much. Like it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be something that, Oh, we need him out there. We're right. struggling. We don't have guys like, no, we're going to have plenty of guys. We're going to be able to give him rest when we need to. Um, you know, maybe there's going to be games where we're blowing someone out or even, you know, maybe there's a game we get blown out and it's like, we can give him rest then. And it's just like, I don't know. And, and, just with with how he's looked the last you know couple weeks, having playing you know basically over thirty minutes a game every night, I'm much you know I'm getting much much more comfortable with it. And I mean this is you know again you ask like how grading him since his re- since his return. It's like we were talking about a couple months ago. Like he came back about two months ago, almost to the date. We were talking about like you know is he even going to be ramped up at all is this going to be like we have to go from basically nothing to right than playing a ton like what more what better could you ask for for him to go from 17 minutes a game for a little bit to 23 yep. minutes a game for a little bit to now over 30 and he's putting up really good numbers like okay his defense is a little like was a little bit iffy for a couple games i'm not i'm not going to be like oh this sucks like he's been as good as you could pretty much ask for and if we can have even a you know i kept saying if we can have even a 80%, 90% Chris Middleton, which it looks like we're getting right now, and this is still a month before the playoffs. If we can have even that, we should be fine with how much depth we have and how good Giannis is, how good Drew's been, how good Brooks been. Like, we should be okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, let's go to topic number three. Now, at this point of the podcast, we're going to sidetrack off of the box just a little bit here. Uh, all right, topic number three, reaction to comments made by Boston Celtics guard Jalen Brown. By the way, Celtics uh, struggling. If you follow any of these guys that cover the Celtics uh, on Twitter and social media, you can see that they're starting to get, I think, a little bit concerned by how the Celtics uh, are playing. But Jalen Brown, I'm remaining in Boston long-term. This is via uh, Logan Murdoch, I guess. Uh, quote, I don't know. As long as I'm needed, it's not up to me. We'll see how they feel about me over time, and I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is, it makes sense, but I will stay where I'm wanted. I will stay where I'm needed and treated correct. I just enjoy the time that you have uh, now. If it's your whole career, it's your whole career. If it's not, it's not. Some of the greatest players of all time haven't finished with their organization. Michael Jordan retired a wizard. End quote, Jalen Brown. I will tell you that Jalen Brown was none too happy uh, about those Kevin Durant trade rumors, possibly in the Celtics. And Jalen Brown brought up the fact that KD and Tatum are friends and they work out together. And he called Celtics management like, what the hell is going on? Like, are you going to trade me to get KD? Like, am I in trade talks? And I think that's where the whole, uh, the idea of I'm not appreciated. Maybe they don't like me. Uh, maybe, you know, th- they want to upgrade me for somebody else to play with Jason Tatum. If they don't appreciate me, when I have the opportunity to go somewhere that does with somebody that does appreciate me, I'm up and out of here. I see how this is. And to be honest, you know, you can say, well, that's weak. Like he's a professional. He should expect to be, you know, put into trade talks and that shouldn't take it personal. And that's kind of the management side of, of what maybe they would say about Jalen Brown. Uh, but I can tell you right now, 
and you brought it up earlier, he's playing well. So from, from that aspect, he's going to cash out. Like, there's no question. If he gets the free agency, when he gets the free agency, he is going to cash out, and that is going to put the Celtics uh, in a rather interesting position, having to try and fill that and find a new wing guy for Jason Tatum, who is definitely their core guy that they want to go with uh, for the next several years, obviously. As a Bucks fan, God, fine with me. See you. I hope you go somewhere out west. Hope you find a nice comfy spot and a nice team out in the Western Conference and go try and build a mega team out there and leave Jason Tatum on an island out here uh, in the east. Totally fine with that. Uh, the other thing, you know, there's a lot of talk about Boston and the way fans treat people or the, the players in the NBA and all these stories you hear about stuff they're yelling at players. And I wonder how much of that uh, is maybe irritating and getting on Jalen Brown's um, nerves as well. Because, look, yeah, they're yelling at opposing players, whatever they're yelling. But you hear it. You're on the floor when they're yelling at the opposing players, whatever they're yelling. Maybe Jalen Brown's turned off by that. Maybe he doesn't want to be associated with that crap anymore. Maybe that's part of the reason why he wants out. I, I don't know. But to me, if I'm Brad Stevens, there is going to be a big decision to be made. Are you going to tie yourself to Jalen Brown going forward long term? Do you think these two guys are capable of getting it done? I said before when those Durant rumors were flying that it made sense to me that I don't think they can win what they want to win with those two as their lead dogs. I think they needed somebody better than Jalen Brown. Uh, and I think Brad Stevens thinks the same thing. And I think Jalen Brown ends up somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, as a Bucks fan, you like this stuff. You know, you, you like when there's drama with other teams and other contenders and stuff. Um, I do definitely think it's just a case of, you know, he's a guy that thinks probably he's just as good as Jason Tatum. And yep. the team clearly has always kind of prioritized Tatum. And, you know, do, who do we try to get alongside him? And it's like, you know, I'm not saying Jalen Brown thinks he's way better, or like he should be the guy, but it's like, you want to get the same respect that Tatum gets. Like Tatum isn't in these trade trade rumors. Tatum isn't considered in right. this stuff. Like, and I mean, last 12 games, I just pulled up the numbers. Last 12 games, Jalen Brown, 28 points on 50% from the field and 39% from three. Jason Tatum, 27 points on 42% from the field and 29% from three. Like he's playing better than Jason Tatum for the last month. And, you know, you're just feeling like you're always in his shadow. And it's like, I'm, you know, he's averaging 27 for the season and he look, he's, he's considered a sidekick. And it's just like, I can understand where he's coming from of, you know, and I'm not saying they'd be better with Jalen Brown as their number one or anything, but it's like, you know, you have pride as a player. And when you're not treated that way, you're not treated the way that, um, and in some ways, and I, not that, I mean, this just going to connect this to the bucks for a sec. In some ways, it's almost a blessing in disguise that Chris hasn't been better than he has been because if he did, and I'm, I mean, Chris is like a, not an ego person, but like if Chris did have a season averaging 26, does he start to get like, Oh, I need to be respected like Giannis. Whereas I feel like he's always been like a, you know, steady 20, 22 point per game guy. And he knows what his role is. He knows he's a number two. He accepts that he embraces it. Like that's almost better than having like two guys that are like 27, 28 a game. And neither one of them is really good enough to be right. number one on the championship team, but they both think they're the number one. They both think that they deserve the same respect. Like, I don't know. It's a weird situation. And um, I don't know. I like to call them Robin and Robin. Like they're neither one of them is a Batman. It'll both be interesting to see if Jalen Brown goes free agency, right? Who's going to line up and where would he want to go play? Because let me just throw something out there, folks. Just, just hear me out for a second. If Weminyama gets drafted to the Spurs. They don't have any real big contracts. And they got a couple nice young players in San Antonio right now. And that might be an opportunity for Jalen Brown to go play for a guy that won a championship in Popovich, that knows how to develop a big like he did in Duncan. Now, this is completely different with Weminyama because he's far more talented than Duncan. But to be able to put those pieces around Jalen Brown, it's you're the guy. You and Wembenyama, you're the guys. Here you go. We're going to give you a max money, whatever the case may be. Billboards up all over San Antonio of you and Wembenyama together. Uh, and here we go. Maybe he looks at that and goes, mm, I don't trust you. No, Wembenyama is going to get all the love. I don't think I really want to be a part of that deal and, and be in that situation. So maybe that turns him off. Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe it's the Pistons. I don't know what their salary cap situation looks like. 
but maybe it's the Pistons. They've got some young guys. Maybe the Pistons are a team where he can definitely go be that guy. Because if he's like James Harden, I'll give you one, but he's not going to be the guy, would be Philly. You know, if James Harden picks up and goes to Houston, like everybody is rumbling about, that he wants to go back home where his family is and play in Houston with all these young guys, that would open up a spot for Jalen Brown to go play with Embiid in Philly and have a chance to play Boston uh, and be a problem for Boston. That might be a situation, Nathan, where maybe Harden or where Jalen Brown ends up. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know where the best fit is necessarily and where he can be the guy. But if he wants to be the guy, is he good enough to win a championship? If he's number one on a team, is that team good enough to win a championship? I don't know. I mean, you just read off his numbers. Those numbers say superstar. Those numbers, in today's game, those are like second-tier superstar numbers. Like 27 a game, 28. That's a lot. It's a lot. But, again, this is 2023 where there's – seven players averaging over 30 points a game guys averaging like 33 it's it's really good but i don't know it's but that's it's, seven guys right so okay hold on call those numbers back up again uh, this the scoring numbers quick so how many guys are in front of him where does he ranking scoring in the nba right now season. for the season yes where does jalen brown rank for the season in scoring i'm just kind of curious 15th okay so that's what 50 that's half that's better than half the league's other number ones and there's probably number twos on that list outside of that right so it's like Harden on that list with Embiid are they both on there in the top 15 Harden's on. Uh, Phoenix has well I mean he's on a number two he, he is a number two technically but Booker is averaging 28 Kevin Durant's averaging 29 but none of those have come really with your Phoenix. mic chopped out on Philly where was Harden and Embiid I'm sorry Oh, sorry. Uh, no, uh, Harden doesn't average that many. But the only number two right now that averages more is Booker. Is now right. technically he's now a number two, so he's averaging twenty eight. But and that's those also, numbers will probably change a little bit. I was going to say, I, yeah, I was going to say they haven't played together, so I'm not sure how to how much stock in, to put into that. But all the rest of the other guys, I think above him are number ones. So yeah. he'd be a legitimate number one on a team that he went to. There's fifteen teams that might have better true number one players well here's the thing you'd be a legit number one you can be a legit number one but the question was can you win a title with him as correct yep like anthony davis is putting up you know 26 he's right behind Jalen brown he's putting up 26 as a number two he's 17th in the league but and so you could say yeah anthony davis could be a team's number one yes like there's plenty of teams you could be the best team for you know on the team they're not gonna win a title though right yeah drew holiday and he couldn't get anything done in the playoffs at all so it's like no Good point. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's go to the last topic, one that may provide some emotion from Nathan Marzian. Uh, all right, so Badgers, Wisconsin. Badgers, NIT, Marquette, NCAA tournament. Marquette does what they're supposed to do. They beat Vermont. That was a big sigh of relief, I think, for every Marquette fan because the ultimate nightmare in this deal would have been losing to Vermont after winning the Big East regular season title, winning the Big East tournament. To stub your tone, lose to Vermont would have been a complete disaster. Uh, so they avoid that easily. They, they were in control that whole game. Now they get Michigan State. I had stated Izzo concerned me. Uh, and Michigan State, who is a better three-point shooting team, uh, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country, with top five or whatever, uh, were awful from three. Awful. Uh, and then, of course, Hauser uh, hits a, a big three towards the end, uh, and Marquette ends up losing. And the Shaka Smart breathing thing in a timeout had me laughing out loud. I really did. I'm sorry. Um, that, that, that was funny. But... I'll give you credit, Shaka. I will give you credit. You looked at your your young team and you said, dude, we're going to choke this bad boy away. I got to get these young boys to settle down as quickly as possible, and this is what we're going to try and do to get them to settle down. Because that's kind of what it is, man. I got kids, right? So anytime you get into a big moment and you're getting frustrated, what do I say? Take a deep breath and relax, right? If your kid is a pitcher in youth baseball or whatever and gives up a walk or two walks, you can see he's getting flustered. What do you do? You yell, hey, take a breath, take a breath. Just take a breath and relax. And that's kind of what Shaka did with his team was just take a breath, settle down, and get back to doing what we do. So he saw it happening, tried to stop it, couldn't stop it. So they lose. Fine. Then you have the Badgers, who really weren't that very good all year. Uh, They're in the NIT. 
They've won a couple of games, do what uh, Wisconsin uh, is doing. They're better in the NIT, the Big Ten teams, than they are in the NCAA tournament at this point because in the NCAA tournament, they were awful outside of Michigan State for the most part. Uh, but then on Twitter, you follow at Nathan Marzian, like most of you do, and you watch Marzian almost enjoying the 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 hate coming from Badger fans and the ha ha y'all lost you suck blah 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 all that Marzian was kind of like basking in the glow like all right the rivalry's firing up I like this bring it on let's go and he was loving it you could just tell it he's smiling on the video you can watch it on YouTube but a couple of days he's smiling and he was loving it and I could tell he was loving it. I was like all right this is cool he's embracing it he's not getting mad and yelling at people he's embracing it he he knows it's coming and even Nathan Marzian even said in a tweet paraphrasing of course. That if Marquette would have been in the NIT, won a couple games, and Wisconsin would have lost a game in the NCAA tournament, you're damn right out of it yelling, hey, at least we're still playing. Y'all are all, all home after one game. I thought that was big. I was like, man, this is pretty good stuff. But then there were people saying, dude, who cares? This isn't really a rivalry. Like, this is not that big of a deal. Y'all are, you're making this bigger than it actually is, dude. Just chill out. It's not that big of a deal. That irritated Nathan, I think, a little bit. So, Marzian, the question is just how big is this rivalry not right now with Marquette and Wisconsin fans? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like it's some huge, huge thing. I it's a big thing, it's a big thing for me, obviously. It always has been. You went to Marquette. Yes, and I've been a Marquette fan, a badger hater since I was like 12, 13 years old. Like I because I have another like, family that went to Marquette? My dad went to Marquette. Ah. So I always liked Marquette. I didn't have a huge problem with the Badgers until you just People don't get that for Marquette fans, it's different. Like for passionate Marquette fans, it is so different. The experience you grew up with and the experience you have compared to people who kind of like both or don't really care or like Wisconsin. When you are a passionate Marquette fan, everyone around you cares more about the Badgers, everyone. And it makes you say, screw that team. Like, and so it's almost like, like, I mean, again, this is, this is different. They're in the same division and you know, they're not same state, whatever, but like, a Packers Lions thing. Lions, you know, Packers fans don't hate the Lions. We're not like I, I have no ill will towards don't them. Care. But if a Lion fan hates the Packers, I understand that because we beat you a lot, and everyone, you know, if, if you're a Lions fan, particularly like if you live in Wisconsin and yeah. you hate the Packers, wouldn't that make sense? You grew up, yes. everyone around you likes the Packers. You like the Lions. Your team isn't as good. You get, you know, and then not that you know, I'm sure Packers fans give you a little bit of crap for being bad, and so. When people are like, well, we don't care about Marquette that much. And, you know, Marquette cares more. Well, I'm, you know, number one, you do care about Marquette because it shows every time Marquette loses, but whatever. Number two, we're going to have different opinions when we have different experiences. Like we grew up with everyone around us loving the Badgers. So we are going to hate them more than Wisconsin fans hate Marquette because you didn't, you grew up probably knowing one or two Marquette fans. Why would you hate them? Like, and, I will say, you know, you said I loved, I, you know, I was enjoying having the. You're still cool. smiling about it. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> I have no problem with people giving me crap because that's how it should be. Like that makes it fun. It makes it more intense is like, I want to get past this so that we don't get crap. And I want to, you know, rub it in their face and all that. When we lost. You know, if we had lost first round, it would have been much more devastating because it would almost ruin the season. Like you'd remember it as the season we lost to a 15 and not the season we won the biggest tournament and won the biggest regular season. Like we can still look at this season as such a positive. For sure. Losing, losing to Tom Izzo in the tournament doesn't change that. Yes. I wasn't I wasn't devastated by the loss in that sense. It was frustrating. And you have to go on and see all these, you know, people in your mentions. But again, I don't have a problem with that because I talk crap. I have that coming. Like, like talk crap to me. What I love, my favorite part, isn't that people are in my mentions, because that's always going to happen. And that can just be people like, even if you don't hate Marquette, you're just saying it because you know I hate the Badgers. Right. So you're going to, you know. But the people that said stuff unprompted, the people that just tweeted about Marquette, Ben Brust, you know, going into his office. I don't know if you that saw That was hilarious. I the love The milkshake it. thing that he did, the video. We are, like, we have ben freaking arrived. Amazing. We have arrived when we are in Badger fans' heads that much. And I'm not saying it as like, oh, rent free, blah, blah. Because like, we, we, I mean, I hate them too. Like, I think about them too. I, but if, in if, fairness to Brust, he does work at the Marquette flagship. I mean, yes, but I'm saying like, the game, so he's, he can't get away from it. No, Except I understand. Everybody else. Yeah, I get that. But the fact that like 
he's that happy that Marquette lost. And these other Badger accounts are like, you know, throwing little jabs at Marquette and all that. This is exactly what I've wanted. And this is exactly like, I don't want it to be some like, oh, you know, in previous years, the Badgers are a much higher seed usually. And like, oh, Marquette lost. Well, who cares? Badgers are playing. I, I love that it's the opposite of what it usually is. Usually it's Marquette sitting at home rooting on like, please batters lose because we just don't want to deal with this. And it's the opposite. Now it's the batter fans sitting at home going, please Marquette lose. So we don't have to listen to crap about it. And, you know, unfortunately we did lose. We gave them their wish, but like, we are so back. We are so back. If we are getting talked about that much by badger fans and it's going to get, it's going to be much bigger and better. And like, the rivalry is going to grow if Marquette stays really good next year and the year after that. And like, if they remain a top, you know, program and I'm not saying, I mean, I, I do think they'll be better than the batters for a little bit here, but even if they're on the same level in a comparable level, it will grow like Pete, cause we now are relevant again. We now are a team that you're, you know, Badger fans will see more Marquette fans. Badger fans will hear from more Marquette fans. Hold on a second. Hold on. Let me just interrupt. Cause I, like you said, I, I didn't go to either school. I root for both, so I don't have a I don't have uh, anybody really in this fight. But I'll say this: I don't think you can say Marquette is back until you do it next year. You go to the tournament next year, then I think you can turn around and go, okay, two years in a row, here we are. This is more like the Tom Crean, you know, Marquette teams where we're just going to be expected to kind of go every year and go. But if you come back next year and you miss the tournament, which I think there is no chance of happening, but if if you come back next year and all of a sudden something happens, it goes sideways and you don't make the tournament, then it's going to be a, a fart in the wind, as Ron Wolf would say, after the Packers uh, won their first Super Bowl. If you don't win a second one or don't get back to a second one, kind of like the Rogers Super Bowl, a fart in the wind. That that is kind of kind of how I look at it. The one thing that irritated me about the negativity flowing about Marquette wasn't from well, maybe it was from Badger fans, but they weren't coming at me. They were going at you. But when I saw national accounts like the ESPNs and those guys, right, talking about Shaka, and it's like, oh, you know, Shaka goes home again early or whatever the hell they were saying, that irritated me. Not because I could, I don't really care one way or the other about Shaka Smart. You know, I've we've interviewed him once on the uh, on the Big Show um, back in the day with me, Gary, and Leroy. My thing is, it's unfair to go at Shaka about this only because. They were picked ninth in the damn conference. They're they're really young. They're all coming back, you know, obviously next year. And to say, well, you were two, you should have won. Yeah, you're two. Yeah, you should have won. Absolutely. That was the seating said they should have won. I agree. Some picked them to go to the final four. I wasn't one of them, but some picked them to go to the final four. If they come back next year and they get bounced in the round of 32 again with this same group of guys, then I think it's fair to go, okay. Shaka maybe is having some problems in the tournament here still, and that, that, that's got to be something brought up. Then I think it's fair to go back at Shaka. But if they come back next year and they make a run to the Elite Eight or something, then that whole Shaka narrative can just go out the window. I'm one that's a big critic of Rick Barnes at Tennessee. He blew more high seeds at Texas than anybody uh, and goes in and he got a big win. Got Tennessee to, to the Sweet 16. I had him losing. Matt Painter at Purdue. Holy crap. Like, I don't even know what I would be doing right now if I was a Boilermaker fan. Because, yes, you win every year, and yes, you're there every year, but you keep losing a double-digit seeds. You can't even get out of round one. They're not going to fire that dude. But that, that is a problem. That is a big problem, and I don't think Shaka is that. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, if you if you if you told a Marquette fan going into the season, and I know expectations change when you're a two-seed, but at the same time, you, like, we were talking about making fun of the coach and stuff. Like if you would have told a Marquette fan that we're going to win the Big East regular season, we're going to win the Big East tournament. We're going to get out of the, you know, get out of the first round, which we haven't done in 10 years. And Shaka is going to get made fun of on an ESPN post for that, or like get criticized. Like you'd be like, what? Like that's the best season we've had. in, you know, he literally turned the program around like this year. He literally turned the program around national. Like we were sixth in the country. You'll be a preseason top five. We're going to yeah, we'll be preseason top five next year. And it's like, I just, I mean, and, and the fact that it's not some embarrassing loss, if you had lost to Vermont first round, that would okay, be we'll talk about it, Oof. but losing to Tom Izzo in a close, you know, grinded out game, there's not some like, Oh, you know, Shaka sucks in the tournament. And 
the thing I hate is when people, even when, when he came to Marquette, people right away brought that up. Oh, he hasn't won a tournament game since 2013 or whatever. His last, before coming to Marquette, like it's actually crazy looking at when you dive into it, the, like it, it just how, you know, it can go one way or the other. His last five tournament losses before coming to Marquette by two points, which went to overtime, three points in overtime, three points on a half court buzzer beater, four points in overtime, and then one point. That was a tweet. You tweeted that out. Yes. Yep. Every all, all five of those games easily. And this isn't coaching. Like I get, you know, people, oh, well, the coach should win close games. But the sign of like a bad coach or like a like not being prepared is you either get blown out or, you know, like something like that. And you're not making adjustments and you just aren't even really in the game. But to lose to like and half of these were to some good teams. I know the one was to Abilene Christian. That was a bad loss, whatever. But like even that game, it's like they had a lead with 10 seconds left. And then they're lost on free throws. Like, and so it's just like, he's been in all these games. They could have easily gone the other way. And it's just like with Wojo, we were getting blown out in the first round every year. And you could tell like this team's just not prepared. Like they just, they don't make adjustments. They don't, you know, change anything. They don't, they're, they're not ready going in. And with Shaka, like they did get blown out last year. That was to UNC. UNC ended up making the championship. Like they were just a lot better than us, but this loss to Michigan state is like, there was no like, Oh, Shaka sucked in this game. It was the players really did not play well. They were just uncharacteristic turnovers. Tyler Kolek had the worst game he's had all season. And it's like, there was like not a single Marquette fan that I know that blamed anything on Shaka no. or like, you know, we didn't, we didn't adjust to anything. Like our defense kept us in it. Like we, we hung in that game despite being super young, despite having so many turnovers and our top ranked, you know, one of the top ranked offenses in the nation just being terrible. We still hung in that game. And it's like, I, yeah, the narrative on shock is so overblown when you lo- actually look at, and then again, his, his two losses since coming to Marquette are to UNC who made the championship and to Tom Izzo. Like those are not bad losses. No, not at all. And the other thing is business is about to pick up in the big East here in the next couple of years with Cooley going to Georgetown. Georgetown's going to be on the up again. Uh, and with Patino going to St. John's, I don't give a damn if he's 71 or not, that program's about to get turned around in a big way. So Big East is about to get tougher. And then Providence, they're going to go get somebody. I don't know if it'll be the Penn State coach or who they go get, but they're going to get somebody uh, to go to Providence. I know Providence fans want Billy Donovan, but I can't see Billy Donovan leaving the Bulls to go coach at Providence. I just I can't see that happening. Uh, Nathan Marzian, always fun. Twitter poll question coming up on Thursday. It's been a while. Marzian's had off a couple Thursdays, so we'll see what fresh new poll question he has coming for you. Follow him at Nathan Marzian on Twitter, and uh, that'll be out uh, Thursday morning. You can vote, and we'll talk about it on Thursday night. Follow me at Spark Your Radio. Don't forget, YouTube now on the Odyssey page, uh, Odyssey Sports page, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can watch uh, Green and Growing Podcasts uh, moving forward. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles. 